I am unashamed. What about you? So, Jace, you and I went to preaching school, which makes you an officially trained preacher. No. You know. know. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what you are. You got the degree. You walked the stage. You shook the hand. You are you are a preacher, a trained preacher. Just nope. keep that in your mind. So we were we were told in school that you never start a sermon with an apology. You remember that? I Luke? must not have been listening in that moment. <laughs> you know, Jace learned how to sleep with his eyes open and preach in school. I did. Which is the greatest skill that I've ever learned. I Probably. tried it. I couldn't pull it off. You can do it, Phil. If you do, you got to have somebody droning on for hours. That that's makes the recipe work. We well, had a few droners. Anyway, so tell us, don't start with an apology. So, so I'm going to break the preaching school rule because I'm going to begin our podcast today. With not just one apology, but two. I got two apologies. One, the first one, Dad, is to you because yesterday I was going to give you a belated Happy Father's Day because you know I know you were probably crushed because your sons didn't call you and. First of all, tell yeah, I, couldn't, I couldn't sleep all night because <laughs> y'all didn't. I actually told you Happy Father's Day. You did? Did you? Well, I sure looked like it went over well with you. It was memorable. I told, So I was preaching in Tennessee, and I told the group there, I said, later today I'll call Dad and tell him it's Father's Day. Well, that got a big laugh because I said, Dad will not know that it's Father's Day. Yeah. So so anyway, Dad, so I apologize. That we didn't give you I, a I told you happy I had a count. I said, Happy Father's Day, and you went, yep. <laughs> so so the, the second apology is to you, Jace, because – there, our, our second podcast we did yesterday, I was going to mention, because I know how important it is to you, that we mark, you know, big podcasts. And that second podcast yesterday was our 300th podcast. Here we go. And so I apologize to you that I didn't make a bigger deal about it, because I know how much that means to you to yeah. recognize that we have now completed 300 podcasts. So my full apologies to you, Joe. Yeah, well, it's you didn't have to. <laughs> I don't. I realize numbers are important because God named a book numbers. <laughs> it was Carl Elson's favorite book. That's what I, I used know. to say. Well, because he's always like, how, he many, was, "How many people did y'all have in your house the other night?" I'm like, he counts. He used to count people in the foyer so he could look, make sure they got added to the big yeah, list. Because he would like, to, he would do a. They what do you call those things? People do uh, the attendance count. Well, yeah, but they send it out a bulletin. The bulletin they yeah. they have a bulletin, <laughs> and it has numbers like from people who met. But we meet in homes and small groups. So he would ask me <laughs> after a year. I was like, why? Why does he keep asking me that? Because he would say, "How many did y'all have?" I'd say, "Pretty good, many." He said, <laughs> "Yeah, but I mean, what was the number?" <laughs> I said, well, I didn't count. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He used to tell me and, that from camp. He'd say, how many did y'all have out there? I said, oh, we had a big cruise. And I know, what's a what's a ballpark? Give me a number. I always wanted that number, which is the joke. Which is funny now, in, in, in Carl's memory, I guess. I was laughing the other day because now on the, on the they don't send it out anymore, but it's by email. It tells the number of devices that tuned in. So it'll be mm-hmm. like... 560 devices because they can count that apparently, you know, through technology. So now we not only know the people, we know how many devices are watching. Well, it just, I had a moment, you know, how sometimes you, 
just have life changing moments in your, in your life. And I had a moment one time when I was young, there was a small church over on the Mississippi river that asked me to come, come preach. Cause you're an official preacher. No, I said, look, I'm not a preacher. I'm a believer, but I will come. And so I actually went over there selfishly because I thought Mississippi River. Some of these boys may have a duck hole. <laughs> or some place to said, catch a frog. Right? I will. So I got up and I said, I'll, I'll trade Jesus, you know, for maybe one of your duck hunting spots. Because they literally, it wasn't about the money. I mean, I think they literally paid me like a hundred bucks. Yeah which paid for half of my gas to, to go over there. But I remember sitting there and I mean, there's maybe, you know, 45 people here and it's the same people. So this life changing moment, I'm saying before I got up to speak, I'm sitting on the front row. Cause that's what you do. Yep. And the, the first time we had a, someone respond to the invitation there, everybody looked around like, what do we do? <laughs> this has never happened. We, we've sung an invitation song for 30 years, and, and nobody now has. someone has come forward. <laughs> what next? But before I got up and spoke, they had the numbers. They had a, had a board, nice-looking oh, yeah. board, oh, and they yeah. had, like, the giving numbers. I remember and, that board. But I saw a guy, he got up before that because he had forgotten to change the number. And so he had a little – they had these little black – sticky things with white numbers uh-huh. and so he he went up there and changed the five on 45 to four 44 <laughs> and i thought why would he do that that's <laughs> 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 like it was just one, a, close enough you know <laughs> somebody's sick today <laughs> and so does it just made me think how little that well probably and it probably sparked a discussion at several households at lunch that day about you who know, was who, the one who was the one you know yeah. who wasn't there i was looking around and i think it was old brother so that, and so. that's where i was going with that so when i got up and spoke i said i realized that what i'm fixed to say nobody's gonna listen to they're just sitting there <laughs> I said, because we're all thinking, who's the one? <laughs> who's the one? You used that for your open? That was my That's open. pretty good. It went over like a <laughs> band of crickets. <laughs> I'm noticing a pattern on your preaching. Like it, 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 it a lot of crickets. Yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of crickets, especially in the openers. <laughs> Maybe going. you're not a preacher. Maybe you just sleep through preachers. I have up. received a lot of criticism over my <clears> comment <throat> Sunday when I spoke about saying this is a tough crowd. Because Gary was in the other, and I'll introduce our guest eventually, but Gary was in the other room, and he said they were fired up. They were yelling well, and jumping up and down. I, that's what he said. Gary Glenn, actually, this is Gary Glenn. He, uh, <laughs> are we going to call you Gary? Or, what, back in the day. What, you were, if you're a childhood <clears throat> friend, yeah. then you're going to usually you always stick with the childhood name, which was Gary Glenn. I know you, you go by Gary now to people. Well, and my dad, I'm a junior, so my dad was Gary Osborne. So to mm-hmm. distinguish me from my dad, that's why everybody uh, grew up okay. calling me. I never knew that. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought you liked two names. It was like, I call, him, you, call him Oz. Oz. That's his dad's. Because dad has to rename everybody. So it's yeah. funny when, <clears throat> you know, I, I came into Jesus at 19, went to church with all y'all, went off to law school down at LSU, found my wife, moved back here with her, and go back to WFR. And People literally just knew me as Gary Glenn. So they presumed my wife, Erica, her last name was Glenn. So they started oh. calling her Erica Glenn. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Oh, they thought you were Gary Glenn. Yeah. I get it. I get it. So yeah. I, I love this about Gary Glenn. So he's uh, 
he's the most overqualified uh, air conditioning heating person in the world. He's he's an attorney, but he he works at, at a place that does heating and air. I was like, what, what, I mean, Gary, you talk about overqualified. He's a CPA too, I think. Oh yeah, he can do everything. He's like a he's like a. So we bought actually we bought Gary in because we're gonna later on get to a a text that's a, a, a pretty good challenge in uh, Romans nine through eleven. And Gary is kind of I, I love it because Gary is now reminds me of us. Like when we all kind of. Our leadership at our church started through our teaching ministry. And, you know, God just gives you a gift to be able to do that. And so Gary's one of our teachers at WFR and does a great job. And so I'm watching that leadership kind of grow. And that's exactly how the three of us did it. We, we all just started teaching a class. We first got there. And the dad first, and then me, and then Jace did some classes. But we kind of tried to keep him in some small areas of <laughs> What, away what from large pick crowds. on Jace no, <laughs> I'm a so. man just... of the people because what happens is like with Gary Glenn is he's done numerous legal services you know for me and he'll start talking and I'm it gets into this legal babble of I have no idea what he's talking about so I'm like at the end of it it's like guilty or innocent <laughs> <laughs> you just want the you so want the, he's like what are you what are you talking about i was like uh, that's my point I, I, are we guilty are we innocent Do, I, I don't want to know how we got there i just no. want to know what we are so that'll be my role in this discussion well that's the smart people so gary yeah. so i have to say this so gary's he grew up his family your to your grandpa and your great uncle uh the joneses we were always trying to keep up with the Joneses. They they have a far off farmland that that now is is borders our hunting property. So I I don't know if you know this, Gary. So we, I'm revealing some things today on the podcast. So my first job I ever had was hauling hay for your grandpa. I did not. And know your great uncle. Yeah, I was I was about thirteen or fourteen years old, and I would spend summers over there, you know, hauling hay and putting it in the barn, and that's how I made my first money. And they always paid cash, so you know I was fired up about it. Mm-hmm. So I've always been close to him. And then with some of your cousins, you know, I went to school with him. So I've always known Gary, but he and Jeff are the same age. So they were friends. So he grew up there. But Wendell, your uncle, has had a relationship with us for a long, long time as well. And Jace was just talking about Wendell when we came. Well, it was crazy. He called me this morning. He hasn't called me in weeks, months, perhaps. And I thought, oh, he must... He must knew Gary Glenn was going to be on the podcast. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, we're fixing to do the podcast with Gary Glenn. And he was like, I got this culvert <laughs> on our property. Phil's water is backing up into it. And I was like, sound like to me, you need to talk to Phil. <laughs> so I got to get over and see him. <laughs> that's not always the easiest to reach. So I'm going to reveal something today. I, Jace, you won't probably remember this. And Gary, I bet you don't know it. At, but Dad, at one point in his life, because I'll never forget it, with Wendell, Dad, you were you worked for the United States government. You were a United and Wendell United States Park Ranger. Yeah, you had the uniform, the Smokey the Bear hat. You were. Yeah, we were given everything but pistols. <laughs> Probably we had the flash. Do you remember lights. that they had a they had a truck? Yeah, the whole thing. No. They worked for the for the park service. I was everything but armed, <laughs> and it's these which uh, is a big deal. It's like up here, at, right on up the river there. That park at, there, at, uh, Corps of Engineers. Yeah. Yeah. You did gate. that, and they, they paid you. 
all I did was come, go drive up in there, all of them. And there's one in Columbia. I had to go from this one to Columbia, really? the one in Monday. The one, the one was in I born? King's Landing. Was I born? You were here. Where, 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 where was I during this time? I don't know. See, you missed a lot. You just, it's. You were, we had little uniforms, you know. Oh, we had really? the Smokey the Bear hat. Did they looked like, yeah, it was a picture. It was a, I saw a picture. The only thing I ever ran into out of all that checking the parks, you, you drive up and you just look around and say, you know, how's the park doing? <laughs> Is you know some little guy and his girlfriend, you know, ah. I'd, I'd, I'd flash my lights at him, you know, he'd tear out, of it. but that's as deep as it ever got. So the, and Dad, it was funny because see that was pre beard, and so like he, you know, he he looked like a dude, you know. Oh, he looked, I was running around there unarmed and you know up to twelve o'clock at night checking parks, but these days, oh, I would have to say, look, give me some weapons. <laughs> You would have your I'm AR not driving around up and down the river because well, these places are way back off the beaten track anyway. Oh yeah. Well, I don't. The only thing I, I remembered the uniform, but but I and I remembered Wendell was doing it with you. I remember y'all yep. were partners, but uh, you didn't do it for long. It, no. it didn't last long, so I guess you no. didn't like it. Or was the, it the money that lack of money, or was it? I've forgotten what it, what it was, <laughs> but it was just it just wasn't for you. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, you know, everything has been talked about with our family, the books we've written and all that. I was thinking about it last night. I was going to tell that because I don't think we've ever talked about that. That dad was a park ranger for the United well, States that, government. Well, it's like Missy got mad. Well, it was, yeah, I uh, think it was the post repentance. Yeah, you were, you were a Christian because we were I, down I think here. it was the post repentance and I was just trying to start pot, you know, blend in and be a productive citizen of America. And I, I was just trying to get off getting drunk and running. And so it was a, kind of a treatment center for me it driving was. around. I the, think so. And a, a little bit of extra money because we were fishing down yep. here. We starting the business. If you were clean shaven then, probably when you started growing the beard out, they probably had a no facial hair policy. They yeah. may have. So that might have led. But he makes it. Uh, it was a little supplemental income. Yeah, it was a little money because you were yeah. trying to. We were all trying. You, you and Mom were trying but to. I make, think it was while I was I was fishing. It or was. Might have been. It might have been. Uh, it was here. We were here because yeah. I sat with Wendell was mm -hmm. out here too. So let's let's take a break. Gary Glenn, this is going to shock you because we know this because we've been doing this podcast, but you probably don't know this. Did you realize that thieves can steal your home's title? No, they can, and we had a testimonial from a thief. He sold a he stole a hundred and fifty homes, and was sentenced to twenty five years in prison, hacking in and getting their information. So this is why you need home title lock. Let's hear from this guy. Nobody thinks that I can take their house and borrow against the house. Oh, no, I have title insurance for that. No, it's in my name, or he would have to get some special document. They would call me. You know, nobody's calling you. After I've stolen the title, borrowed against it, or sold the property, or done whatever I've done with it, it's 60 to 90 days to even figure out that they're the victim of this crime. You know, by that point, you start getting foreclosure notices, and you realize you've got four mortgages on your house. Not only that, you don't even own your home anymore. It's not even in your name. All right, so... Now we know. I mean, it, it is true that people do it. They they hack in here. They steal homes. Uh, it's one of the number one cyber crimes on fastest growing. So we don't want that to happen to you. So you go to HomeTitleLock.com, register your address, make sure you're not already a victim, enter the code RADIO, you get 30 free days of protection. So that's HomeTitleLock.com. Use the code RADIO and protect your title.
Yeah, so I, I, it's just a little known fact. I was going to tell a story, but I'll save it for later. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got to tell it. You got to tell it now. You can't leave us hanging like that. Well, I was just saying because I, I, I was not aware of that. And the same thing happened with Missy and I last night because I, I told her one time I had a job reading water meters. And she went, I did too. Well, I was with you. Oh, duh. Okay. <laughs> I forgot that part. No, let me tell you. And so Missy's like, what, were you like my side? She's like, were you mini me? But she said, what were you, were you making this up? I was like, why would I make that up? <laughs> it was pretty embarrassing. I said, I read water meters. And she's like, when were you dating me? What year was this? I was like, I don't remember numbers, <laughs> but I read water meters. I said, as I think back on it, I said, I believe what happened. It was you and uh, I think Tim. Tim Owens. Because his dad ran the water company. Here's, here's what happened. Because she said, how were you paid? I said, I was paid cash. I said, here's what I think happened. I think Al and Tim hired me and my buddy Blake yep. and uh, another guy named Tim, I said they would pay us oh, out of no. their check to right. actually go read the meter I while re- they're sitting in the truck. It's all coming back to me. Doing now. some, uh, you know. Whatever we were doing. Yeah. yeah. Not good activity. <laughs> and so I said, but I noticed they only called us on rainy, stormy days yeah. because they didn't want to get out in the rain. I was like, but me, it was a job. I rode in the back of the truck. I said, but the last, and she's like, well, why, 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 why'd y'all quit doing that? I said, well, Al got struck by lightning. That pretty well ended that. Were you there the day that happened? Yeah. Yeah. She said, Al got struck by lightning. And she was getting more angry. She said, we've been together 35 years and you're just now telling me all this. I was like. I forgot. You didn't that. ask about this. <laughs> so yeah, How would I it ever her, come up unless, you know. It was storming so bad. And and we y'all were out were, there off of Mock Road, right? Yeah, there y'all were driving road. too fast because that's what that's young what, used that's did. What we did. They we slid off the road. Not you gotta remember I'm in the back of the truck. <laughs> so when they slid off the road, my <laughs> life is in imminent danger <laughs> because I'm sitting on a with a tailgate down. So we all <clears throat> Hit the ground and roll, get up. I'm still alive. And so they're like, let's go to the nearest shelter. So we go to a bar. It's a bad one coming. Yeah. And so we're at who's it is? Who knows? We don't know. We're just at some guy's barn, <laughs> meter readers. And Al has hit, we're under the roof. He has his arm stretched out on the fence that goes all the way around the pasture. And it was lightning. Like it was boom. And I just remember I was looking out and Al went from on the fence to just going by me. <laughs> it, it struck that fence. It struck there. the fence, come all the way down and the fence. Blew me off of it. And blew him straight I back. I forgot about that. It was lucky. one of the most incredible. I remember he was, somebody said, you know, yeah. you were struck with light. I was. And I forgot about that. I didn't, nothing really other than just kind of being dazed. Maybe your and shoulder hurt for a few weeks right, or something. Right, right. Because of what, where yeah. the contact point where it did it. Yeah. I forgot about that. Though. You were like our assistants. Yeah, that's what y'all. y'all that's were. what we were. We were, were. It was a kickback <laughs> money on the side <laughs> kind of a water meter pimp situation you got a subcontract sometimes yeah well, well you get sometimes when you get into the foot traffic of an I operation didn't care. i mean it was a good job until we went off the road but <laughs> well right. we're gonna get into the wrong well, i told you i had a story, had I, would, a story. <laughs> I would say for later but i blew it right there so sorry babe i'll tell you 
my secret. Yeah, when Lisa's listening to that. So uh, anyway, yeah. So we 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 get to Romans nine. Last week we uh, last week last podcast we were at the end of Romans eight, and um, did we ever read it, Dave? Did you finally? Finished reading it. I mean, I you interrupted me with a story. You, you I, stopped I, I, along along in there about uh, uh, me, me, the mediating part. Uh, the mediating God, part. as far as who can be against us. Yeah. You know, We've about, lost you on oh, your mic, yeah, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, but you brought up mediating part, which I, I think you're talking about. I mean, we, we have to read Romans 8, 31 through. Right. To set this up. Well, I just think it's one of the greatest sections, even though Phil's right. I mean, he is constantly repeating himself saying, you know, six times in the first chapter, he said, I got good news. I mean, he explains the gospel and he talks about grace. But then you almost feel his passion here, because I have a question for Gary Glenn based on this section. In verse 31, he says, what then shall we say in response to this? I mean, here's a here's a bumper sticker moment. If God is for us, who can be against us? I mean, I, I think I've said that hundreds of times in yeah. my life in various situations. And You're then right. I think you feel his passion here because he's like, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? I mean, it was way more passionate when I read it. I remember hearing uh, McGuigan, who's one of my favorite speakers, read this in a sermon one time, and he had so much passion, I couldn't understand a word he, he was saying. <laughs> He's got a and, pretty thick uh, Irish brogue going there. But too. it was so, he. it was just, yeah, it got that. my attention because, I had just read these words many times without the passion and it connected with me because I'm like, he's making a such a poignant point that he's like, he who did not even spare his own son, but gave him up. And I think too, I think he's hearkening back there to verse 28. Like if you love God, he's working everything out in history for your good. And if that's the case, then if God's for you, who can be against That's you? Exactly yeah, right. What, what do you have to worry? Because you tend to feel beat up, especially. I mean, it just goes over and over in the Bible, and, and especially when Jesus said, "If you follow me, you will be persecuted." Right. You this this is not. He never said, "Oh, it's all yeah." This is going to be flowers and rainbows the whole time, and so we're we're in this spiritual war. I mean, the context here was his plan throughout, but. And, and trust in his faithfulness. But in verse 33, it says, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is it that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, and, and who is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Now, we did reference the next phrase going all the way, that nothing right. in, in all creation, death, life, you know, Angels, demons, right. present, future, can separate us from Christian the love of Christ. Christian people should not say, we lost our daughter. She's a godly woman, so we lost her. You did not lose her. Correct. Well, she wasn't lost. That, that's why when someone says, well, we lost our uncle, we lost our dad, he said, no, you didn't. You know, there's, there's life beyond the grave. Right. Good hands. His soul's alive. His body's in the cemetery. Jesus is coming back even for that connect the two and here we go again 
I mean, which is why Paul said we don't. It gr- makes life a lot easier <coughs> to live. live we on don't grieve earth. like the rest of men who have no hope. That's right. And so that's what he meant by that. And Jace yeah. told that story last time about the guy that met you on the road or whatever. You know, when y'all were metal detected. Oh, who was angry at God? He thought he had lost his daughter, but Jace was well, talking right. to him about it, and he said, "You know." Well, he was listening to the podcast. Yeah, right. he's like he had a moment. Saying, well, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe we didn't lose her. She still. That's right. She, Which I think what we made the point is that's where we get into trouble in life is when you're trying to look at everything from your perspective instead of God's. Yep. I mean, he, well, we, we talk about the resurrection and him forgiving us all our sins. Like these are just trivial things. I mean, if you get those things corrected, well, you're pretty much good to go. I mean, there's nothing in life that's, becomes a travesty there. You sleep a lot easier. Yeah. When we talked about, <clears throat> Gary, when that, that list back in 28 through 30, mm-hmm. when that the idea about the the God knew, the, the predestination in Christ, then the call, and then the, the idea of being justified and then glorified, from God's perspective, we're we're in a glorified state. I mean, he already sees us as being with Christ in heaven. I mean, the, the idea of loving who we are, I see that a little differently. Though. Right. Well, tell us about so, it. So, hang on. I, let's let's take a break. So, in eight twenty eight, he and and even going back. So, I think he's addressing in chapter eight. There, these are people who are they're grinding it out. You know, they're enduring the suffering of the Christian life. Right. And he he's going to give them three <clears throat> reasons why. Look, press on. And the first reason was the reward is so great. It, what you're going through now won't even compare to it, mm-hmm. right? The second one is God is with you. He's fighting right alongside you. He gives you the spirit who cries out, I have a father. And then the third encouragement to press on is God God is working everything out for the good of those who love him. Right. And then in verse 29 and 30, he gives evidence for that. He's like, all right, he's working out everything for the good of those who love him. And you don't have to take my word for it. You can look through history and see that, you know, uh, and y'all probably took it from the perspective of those God who God foreknew, like meaning prior to creation. I think all he's saying is all those that God knew before now, you can look at their lives and see how he called them and justified them, predestined mm-hmm. them to be conformed in the image of his son. And they've already been glorified. Mm-hmm. So you you look at like they have already Abraham, Moses, the mm-hmm. heroes of the faith. You don't have to take my word for it, Paul's. You can look and see how God did that in their life, and you can see how they've already been glorified. Look at the transfiguration in Luke 9, how they they had received partially the the reward Mm -hmm. of of the faith of Abraham. It's just hard for us to have that assurance because we're in a world, we're a sinful world, but but actually we're indestructible. Mm -hmm. We're... Loved by the creator you're of the a universe. Lot. You're in you're, a pretty good position if you're more than a conqueror. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Why is that funny? I don't know. You just quoted a verse, but it became funny. Well, you know, mean, you know, yeah. you it's one thing to be a conqueror. So we're, we're conquered. You said no, no, no more than that. We're more yeah. than a conqueror. Well, what is that? I don't know, but it sounds awesome. But it's it better. Yeah, it's uh. like it's if, if he was willing to give his son to endure what he endured on your sake, don't doubt that he's got you back. I mean, like he's there for you. What was your question you had for? My question was because 
you know, I've made many, many, many lawyer jokes throughout my life <laughs> because let's face it, for the most part, <laughs> these this profession is is not viewed favorably among people. That was as nice as I could say that. <laughs> but you have to have them. That's right. And I always said the only good defense lawyer that I've known is Jesus because of 1 John 2, 1. Mm. So I was going to ask your take, because it says, where we get that idea is where it says, Jesus is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So I, I was just going to get your general thought about, since you are a lawyer, of how Jesus being perceived as a lawyer, I mean, do you have any thoughts on that? Has this Is this something that you've thought in your I, mind? Yeah, I mean, some, but I don't think anything unique to anybody else. I mean, it's just like he is the perfect advocate. Yeah. You know, right. lawyers try to put themselves in the shoes of their clients, but they can't. They hadn't walked in those shoes. Yeah. Jesus is the ultimate lawyer because he's been in the same spot you've been in. And so mm -hmm. he can he relates firsthand. It's not like he's imitating or pretending right. to know what was yeah. going on. He knew. Most people who break the law, I mean, a lot of times you break the law, break the law. You're, you're guilty as charged. But in this case, you have this cosmic attorney whereby <laughs> when he gets done with it, the case, you said, he's free to go. <laughs> cosmic <laughs> attorney. That needs to be a fright. We need to Google that and see if that's actually a fright. I have a well, That's what it says. Attorney. And you look at it, you say, boy, intercede. I think we just did another T-shirt. A cosmic attorney. That needs to go on a shirt. I've been wearing these shirts that y'all been giving me. I thought y'all were doing They're like, no, some company's doing yeah. We'll say something 316 on the podcast. 316Ts is what they're called. I have a cosmic attorney. Or I'm represented yep. by, what would be the best way to phrase? that uh, i think we're on to something here i think john john had it best he said god is just it's somewhere in there yeah god is just in other words if we claim to be without sin we deceive ourselves and the truth not in us if we confess our sins he's faithful god is and just and will forgive us our sins purify us from all unrighteousness any mistake you'll ever make once you come to jesus by faith <laughs> if we claim we're not sin you say well well, well are we going to make some mistakes when we come to Jesus? Afterwards, you say, yeah. He said, sure. But they're not being counted against you. You're like, how does that work? I write this to you so you won't sin. That's where but I was turning. If anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Here comes your, your the, the cosmic attorney, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. That is a lot on your table. Well, and think about this. You are responsible for lifting the <laughs> sins of everyone. Billions. Woo. So think about this. Not only is Jesus positioned as the, the perfect attorney, he also does something that no attorney ever in the history of mankind would do, which is, look, when they're found guilty, not if, when they're found guilty, whatever punishment they deserve, put that on me. Yeah. No yeah. attorney would do that. By but, the way, exactly. uh, Oz, has he ever lost a case? <laughs> <laughs> Undefeated. <laughs> He's more than a conqueror. I did a sermon one time where I had I went in all the different verses because Jesus is really represented as everything in the courtroom. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's judge, 
He's defense attorney. He's prosecutor because by his lifestyle is what we're all measured by. He's our witness. Mm-hmm. I mean, every everything that would happen, he's the jury. He's the whole thing. I mean, it's the whole courtroom is Jesus. Yeah. But it, you know, it is a mind bender, boys. When you by he ends that little section up in Romans eight, and you get down to seventeen, and all these things, you know, we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. A lot of people, that's why I brought up the we lost this one and we lost that one. Physical death doesn't separate you from from God. Correct. And all these things. We're more than conquerors through him who loved us. And the first thing he says is, neither death nor life can separate us from the love of God. You're like, hey, what? That is a relationship in rock. Literally, rock. That's exactly right. Maybe that's why they call him a rock of ages. That's right. Or or the cornerstone. Which well, I've always said that it, he's interceding for us. You read that first John two, but it, I like how it says for us. And he he died for the sins of the whole world. I mean, he's available. He's offered to the world. I mean, it's like he added that part. Just you know, don't don't mistake the fact that he's representing you, whether you love him or not. Mm-hmm. He's offering his services. Right. Now, you, you say, no, I, I think I'll take That's why when you read Romans 8, after reading that, it's not like, you know, he's got a few reserved. He foreknew them, and that's where those are the ones he's going to help. He's going to love those, but to hell with the rest of them. It just it's doesn't a, make it's any a bad, sense. It's a bad way to look at it. doesn't make it. any sense. Let's, yeah. ta- let's take another break. Well, I want to, so Gary, I want you to, <clears throat> you've, you've done a lot of study in this, and, and you had sent me some notes, and I loved them. So before we get into the verses, verse by verse in, in chapter nine, I want to talk just a little bit about the purpose of Romans nine through eleven in the context of Romans. You know what what what's Paul going to communicate over the course? You, you think over these next three chapters? If we kind of get a high view, then I think once we dive in, it'll make a little more sense. Yeah. So in <clears throat> one through this point, so from the beginning of the book. He walks through and he, he shows, all right, everybody stands convicted under law. Whether you're Gentile, whether you're Jew, you stand guilty and there's no way out from under that. Right. The only answer, the only hope is in Jesus. Well, we get to Romans 9 and it's like he he's going to address the Jews in, spe- uh, in particular, specifically. Right. And he, it's basically like, look, I understand the ramifications of what I'm saying, which is if Jesus is the linchpin, if he's the bottleneck through which to get to God, and mo- most of these Jews have rejected him. There's some that hadn't, but most of them had. Right. And I'm d- I'm going to deal with that. I'm going to deal with the arguments they have, uh, particularly from a defense perspective. Like, right. if, if the Jews were God's chosen people, and by and large they've rejected him, does this nullify the gospel? Does this show that it's not true? And he's going to walk through and show, no, you've under- you misunderstood that election or that God's choice of you as his people. Right. right. And Cause they were looking at it from a nationalistic, just cause we're from where we're from. We're, we're, we made it. It was, you know, it's yeah, funny. Today, it? To this day. Well, still, that's it, right. It, it, exactly. And I think there's something to be said about why you do something matters. And it's not necessarily, you know, what you do it, but why you do it matters to God. And my point is, it's like when you think about right and wrong, sin or righteousness, when you think about that verse that says the grace of God teaches us to say no, you know, us 
as individuals, we focus in and going back to Israel on the law. They were real familiar with, with what you're supposed to do. But I think what they were having trouble with is that this God is for everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so you think about how, you know, that it'd be hard for them to get that because they're like, well, you're not from Israel, so you're out. Well, and to, and to your point, I think that's the whole thing is Paul makes the point that you were chosen, elected as God's people to now be the the vehicle for the whole world to know. Yes. They saw it just the opposite. Mm-hmm. They thought it all came to them. Yes, it's and, funny because Sai last night was at the house and and you know he had no idea where we were in this podcast. But he asked me. He said somebody asked me a question. I didn't know the answer to it. So I wanted to ask. You. I said, "Well, what was it?" Because he'll ask me, you know, Bible question. He That's said, odd that Sai would say he doesn't know. I know. I don't. You don't hear that very often. Yeah. And uh, I said, "What led on me?" You know, I didn't know what he was going to say. And he said, "He said, how did the Jews miss it?" I mean, how did they miss Jesus? And it was really great because it was right where we were in this text. And I said, well, si, they missed it because they had a wrong narrative of why he came. They they thought all physical establishment. That's why even the disciples who spent three years with him and him constantly telling them, the last thing they said was, is now the time we're going to establish Plus, this? Plus, he introduced what he's discussing in Romans 9 and Romans 2. He said, uh, there will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil. This is under, you could call it, the doctrine of condemnation, meaning all mm-hmm. of Canaan. Where you get to the Jews, uh, there will be trouble and distress for every human being who who does evil. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. And this incredible statement, for God does not show favoritism. Well, by the time you get to Romans 9, he's going to show you what favoritism looks like. And and now, just to make it practical, so you you text me and asked me if I could preach 9 through 11. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I wanted to say, yeah, it ended up, I couldn't do it because of the date, but... I did but, that so I wouldn't have to. Yeah. Now, now you put it back on me. So, so yeah. I, I, at first I was like, all right, this is a really technical passage. I, I don't know how I preach this in a way that's right. applicable to everybody. And then it just kind of hit me. I, you know, my story of, of being a guy who, who came up, you know, good family, uh, went to church, you know, I, I was associated with Christians. It's kind of the same story as the Israelites. That's and right. I, w- I had the hard heart just like they did at this point, which was my first argument was, well, I don't have to surrender to Jesus. Why? I'm a good guy. You know, that's the first thing which Paul eliminated for, for yeah. the Jews. You're not good. <laughs> no one's good. And then the second thing was, well, I mean, I come from a good family. Mm-hmm. My lineage is good. Yeah. Nope, that's not it. <laughs> and then Romans 10, he's, then he lays out, you don't have any excuse in this. You sh- you knew you should have known. Right. It, the the message went to you, and so when you get it to that, when it's me or when you're you're a parent and who's trying to raise your children up in the Lord, and they reject Jesus, I mean that's exactly what Paul's dealing with in nine, ten, eleven. And and you miss it, just like Dad says he was he was in church, he grew up in a Christian family. He eighteen, he goes off to college, he, and none of that applied to you. I mean, right? You just missed this the whole has happened miss, tens, missed it by a mile, tens yeah. of thousands of times. That's right. This is what happened. Yeah. I think you try to ride on the faith of others, and it just doesn't. It won't work. Because every person has to have that personal surrender, like you said. But you made the right call when you brought in ours 
because <laughs> I Oz, told you I've done the this level of, of aptitude, whatever that he needs. He, he's the only one that's like an A plus guy among three C plus guys. Wait a I'm at least a B. So, I'm, yeah. a, I'm like a D. I pass, but. The grade didn't really matter. <laughs> so we started, did you know, Ben started a, a 501c3, and it's called C-plus Ministries. <laughs> yeah. For dads, you know, because he's always yeah, a Lower the bar. <laughs> so, Dad, you, you've made an interesting point before we got uh, at the house. I wanted you to make this. Let's take another break. Uh, make the point about what you noticed something about this section in Romans before we dive in. If you we, just look, uh, uh, the arguments are made. But by the time he makes the arguments in Romans 9 and 10, 11, you get to 12, and it's it's back on this is how you should roll, and it certainly didn't have anything to do with your life under a, a law of works yep. where you go through all of these rituals and, and the sacrifices are put forth and the blood of animals to... To, to give that up, you should be jumping up and down about giving that up. Yeah. But, I, and I and, thought that was really good. I hadn't really made that comparison that you could really stack the, the almost exact chapter numbers. Really? On, with Hebrews. Mm -hmm. And you see, you know, that same explanation. Of course, that whole book is aimed at what he does here in three chapters. Is yeah. the idea that you can't miss it. This is this is what we've been looking for the whole time. So, which I've always thought it had to be some disciple of Paul that wrote Hebrews, if it wasn't him himself, because he makes the case so strongly. And I, my personal opinion is this was so passionate for Paul because he missed it. Mm. I mean, to the point that he was killing Christians and imprisoning them. So, oh, I mean, think about how passionate that would make you. Because like, it, to me, I look at it from backwards because I'm not real smart, and so <laughs> every table needs a D plus man. Yeah. So don't don't feel and bad. See, but I'm street smart because <laughs> I figured out their problem was they violated two things that Jesus stressed: they didn't love God with all the heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because if they would have, they'd have been open mm. to His new idea. That's a good point. And they sure didn't love their neighbor as themselves because they said, "You're out because you were born on the wrong line." <laughs> Across yeah. the wrong line, and that's that, right. and that's really what it was about. Which, which here's what's fascinating to me about this chapter: people go here to to try and prove that there's only this select group that's going to make it, and like what you said, oh, to hell with everybody else, and there's nothing you can do to change that, and and that they built a whole religion on that. When in actuality, that was the problem he was addressing. Yeah. That they were saying, we're from this country. We're God's chosen people to hell with everybody else. Right. And sorry. Right. And he, they didn't recognize that he was trying to use that relationship with them to make this available yeah. to all people. That's right. <laughs> they viewed their election as a, as a catalyst to bring themselves up rather than yeah. the vehicle through which he was going to bring everybody else. That, 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 which is Exactly. But I'm saying I went backwards yeah. to, to get there yeah. in that why does Jesus keep stressing, love God with all your heart, love your neighbor and yourself? Why does he keep telling that? Why does he keep telling that? Because they're looking at other people saying you're, you're from the wrong neighborhood. And look, you see that in America in a very smaller way compared to the eternal consequences of people. But... Even born state to state, you know, our we focus on our differences. We do the same thing. We're not looking at let's all come together, no matter where we're from or what we look like or 
for the good of the country. We can't even do that in our own country, much less from a worldview on, on coming to God. Well, and that's why out of all the conversions you read about in the first century, you know, Paul's is the flashiest, you know. You see what I did there, Jess? Flashiest, flash of light. And I really didn't see it, but <laughs> it was a stretch, but okay. <laughs> He's, he was the flashiest, but the one that is the most meaningful to me is Nicodemus because Nicodemus was yeah. embedded with right. all this religious leadership, but he was curious enough yeah. to then start seeking. And you, and you watch over the book of John, by the time we get to the end of it, there he is, you know, as a guy who embraces. You're right, Al. When I went to Israel, that was, and spent a couple of weeks there, that was the that was the one thing that stood out to me. And the, and the guy I thought about the most was Nicodemus. Because once I experienced the culture, and look, I loved it. I loved some of their rituals. And, and you think, oh, why would anybody want to be ritualistic and keep the law? Once I experienced it, I realized they liked this. Yeah. Their families were together. Yep. They celebrated. Yep. Their, it wasn't like what I thought. And so for them to have to be open-minded to, oh, God has a new way, I could see how it would be difficult. Yep. You know, it just, I, I look, there's no, God has a way. You, right. you got a Bible, you got to be open-minded. But I do sympathize with the situation. Which you know. the Jews were trying to hold on to the first covenant. It had regulations for worship. This is Hebrews 9. And you read, I'll read Romans 9 after read Hebrews 9. Tabernacle was set up and the lampstand was there and the consecrated bread and all of the most holy place. Then they had a second curtain and the high priest, uh, when everything had been arranged like this, it was a really holy looking place and, and uh, these activities. The priest entered regularly into the outer room to carry on. Only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people uh, that they had committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed. Hmm. As long as the first tabernacle was still standing, it's an illustration from the, for, the, for the present time, indicating that the gifts and the sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. They're only a matter of food, ceremonial, uh, ceremonial drink, and all that. Uh, until the time of the new order, what the, what the Jews were struggling with 2,000 years ago when the Apostle Paul was addressing them, oh, they're still struggling with it. Well, when Christ came, as high priest of the good things you're already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made, that is to say, not part of this creation. He didn't enter by means of blood of goats and bulls or uh, calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. So when you look at that, it's down toward the bottom in 15. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. The Jews Which is Hebrews were now. balking at this complete, think about a revolutionary change. You've been practicing something 1,500 years. And you just think somebody rolls in God and says, over, boys, it's over. Right. It's time of the order. <laughs> yeah. You literally can be forgiven now. You said it. 
a little differently than that. But yeah, that was the blood the point. of these animals. Yeah. I know it looked cool and all that, but you know, anyway, and you you followed the law, you did it. But those days are over. So you remember, you remember it would be hard thinking of how people we see little groups they get their head. Well, plus, Phil, look, they're hated without for just being who they are. I know. And look, as part of the new Israel, the new Jerusalem, which yeah. we are, we we're hated without reason. Say so there are yeah. people say, Oh, you believe in Jesus? I hate you. Yeah. And you say, Why would they do that? Just because they can. I mean, there's no that you're not gonna find a reason other than that. You remember Jesus He died. mentions it in, in Romans nine. He goes, you know, because I read you for Hebrews nine. Uh, theirs are the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the temple worship, the, well, that's the promises, the patriarchs from them. So you read it, you say, boy, that'd be hard to give up. Well, yeah. you remember when Jesus died on and the cross. And working in the heathen Gentiles with it, they're like, they're not just that wicked bunch. They they just couldn't. Well, remember the, mo- the moment Jesus died, there was an earthquake. And, and, it, and the Bible says the temple curtain that you mentioned that went into the Holy of Holies was torn in half. And I thought, you know, there's a lot of earthquakes. You see, I, uh, you don't hear about temple <laughs> curtains tearing in half. I mean, God was letting them know in that moment, this is it. It's, it's, it's this old. is a, the new order. And it, they actually had a physical way to see that. Now, I don't know how they probably said, how oh, that happened? Because you know, you'd be punished. You'd probably be put to death if you did that on your own. Oh, nobody would touch that. Only yeah. one person could even go in there, and that was That's once a year. <laughs> which is why I like it, because God said, yeah, what are you going to do about it? Watch this. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That I'll was some earthquake. that thing in, too. Come kill me. That's exactly right. The, yeah. new, the new order. I wanted to read one verse, because I'm going to take it out of context, but I think... <laughs> I'm being honest. <laughs> I think a at lot least, of, at least you're honest, Jay. Yes. Go ahead. I think a lot of people struggle with understanding that Jesus represents a hundred percent God and a hundred percent man. Yeah. And I think that should be a natural struggle because we're we have trouble relating to cosmic there's only attorneys, one. <laughs> you know. But if you just want a verse that basically says that. Forget what the rest of it means. We'll talk about that next time. I always like this Romans 9, 5, because it says theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ. And you can read those two genealogies in Matthew and and Luke. Luke. Yep. You can trace the human ancestry of Christ. So what would that be? (laughs) Ancestry.heaven? <laughs> Who is God overall? So yeah. you can trace his human ancestry. Who of Jesus? Who is God overall? That's right. very, very few passages like just say it that clearly. What did I just read? You can trace his human ancestry. Oh, and he's God overall. Yeah. He also started the book by saying he's by his human, he's the son of David, but he's also the son of God. Right. Yeah, that's a great I point. just thought I'd throw that in. And so why you're talking about cosmic attorneys, he's representing those two sides. Yeah. Perfectly, by the way. All right. So see Gary, you see our podcast where we just did a whole podcast and we never actually got to a verse because <laughs> we like what to do talk you mean? into I it. thought this was what Oh yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Jay's got to one verse out of context. So <laughs> 
we'll, we'll establish context. But boy, time. it was a doozy. You'll sit in on the next one, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Good. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.